There's really one point to this passage. As we turn our attention to this passage, Revelation 21, verses 1 to 8, the name of the sermon, or the title of the sermon is Seeing with Expectation. It's a continuation of our series for the year, a new song. The focus on our new song in Christ, the, the hope that we have. We've worked our way through several chapters in Romans, looking at the fact of, of how we should live as Christians. What does it look like to live as a Christian? That's really at the core of this idea of seeing a new song. I have been made new at the core of me. Everything is new. As we come to Revelation 21, 1-8, we'll see that God is doing something in creation. God is doing something in the world. And it's not just me who's been made new, but even we'll see the new heavens and the new earth as we look at this passage. Let's open with a word of prayer, then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we rejoice with Morgan and Abraham as they have joined themselves with us this evening, covenanting together with us. Thank you for them, our, brothers, our brother and sister in Christ. I pray that we as a church would love them well, that we would care for them, we would be humble and gentle and loving and patient with them as we grow together in Christ for your glory. Heavenly Father, we pray that even this evening as we turn our attention to this passage, that you would fill our hearts with joy and expectation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As Christians, we are a future-focusing people. We are those who have a hope, those who, who look to the future. Now it's true that we do look back to the cross, we look back to the resurrection. And yet even there, there's a sense when, even when we look back, we're still looking forward, is there not? Even this evening as we come to this table... We'll turn to 1 Corinthians 11 and we'll read verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. There's a future focus there. He is coming again. Our hope is not tied to the here and now. So therefore we do not live tethered to the here and now and to the present. But we have an expectant, forward-looking hope. God, Jesus Christ, is coming again, and God will make all things new. We long for that day. As we turn our attention to Revelation 21, 1-8, we are looking off into the future, into this day when all things are made new. One commentator wrote, Revelation 21 makes the believer hunger for eternity by contrasting the final state with the former. Revelation 21 obviously follows Revelation 20. 
In Revelation 20, you have... Let me turn there. My Bible marker was in the wrong spot. In Revelation 20, you have the thousand years. You have the judgment of Satan as he is thrown into the lake of fire. You have the great white throne judgment. Where all who are not found written in the book of life are judged and cast into the lake of fire with the false prophet, with the devil, with the beast, with death and hell itself. Christ has conquered. His enemies have been made his footstool. He has reigned victoriously for a thousand years. Now the end has come. Verse 21 starts with the word, now. There's so much has happened in verse 20. Satan is gone. Death and hell have been cast away into the lake of fire. Now, as we turn our attention to Revelation 21, there's a blank slate. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. To come to Revelation 21, this is the goal of all history. Even as 1 Corinthians 15 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 28. But now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, as we see in Revelation 20. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. These are the circumstances as we turn our attention to Revelation 21. God stands as all in all. Christ has conquered. Death and hell have passed away. Creation itself, as we see in Revelation in Romans 8, verses 19 to 20, creation itself is longing in birth pangs under the bondage of sin, limited, not able to do the things that God has intended it for. It longs for this day when a new heaven and a new earth come. Dr. Michael Vlock says this, ever since the fall, God's plan has been to restore his creation through the Son. That's what we see as we turn our attention to Revelation 21. 
now. After all of this has happened, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Just as God promised Isaiah in Isaiah 65, 17 and 22, a new heaven and a new earth is coming. For the first heaven and the first earth must pass away. They have passed away as we turn our attention here. Also, there was no more sea. You see, this new creation is both physically and spiritually different. Often in scripture what we find is the the vast unknown nature of the sea represents chaos and rebellion. In Revelation 13 and Daniel 7, these great beasts that rise up, they rise up out of the sea. All throughout the Psalms, it is the sea that represents chaos. God even used water to judge the world in Noah's day. But in this new creation, there was no chaos and there was no rebellion. This symbol of the unknown chaos and judgment will be no more. There's no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. The holy city. Jerusalem's been called the holy city many times throughout history. But this, this is truly the holy city. This is a city that has never known the taint of sin. This is a city that comes down from heaven itself, out of heaven, from God. Pure, free from the perverting stain of sin. And as this new Jerusalem comes down, it is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Pure, holy. It's interesting as we hear that phrase, a bride adorned for her husband. If you're like me, your mind automatically goes to the church. That's language used a lot for the church. The bride of Christ. And yet it seems clear in the context, even going on throughout Revelation 21 uh, into 22, that this city is not limited to the church, but it's believers from all ages. In fact, I would submit to you this evening that in the new heaven and the new earth, all of God's promises have been fulfilled. There are no more outstanding promises. There will no longer be any reason to distinguish between Israel and the church. Rather, we will simply live as the people of God together, united in Christ. In fact, John Walvoord notes that as this city comes down, that it is a city filled with believers of all the ages, a bride adorned for her husband. All of God's promises has been fulfilled, and here comes his people down to this new heaven and this new earth to join him. Verse 3, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, will be with them, with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. 
The point here is not the people themselves. It's their proximity to God. In this holy Jerusalem, come down to this new earth from heaven, God dwells with them. Not in the limited and veiled sense in which he dwelt in the tabernacle amongst his people in the Old Testament. But physically, personally, intimately, God dwells in the midst of his people. God himself will be with them. He will be their God. In fact, note the, 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 the personal intimate language here, even in verse 4. God will wipe away every tear. God himself. Comforting his people. It's really a return to the Edenic type state where God himself walks among and talks with his people. In the very presence of God Almighty, creator of the universe, caring, tenderly wiping away tears, dwelling in the midst of his people. It's a beautiful place. There's no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. We long for the state, do we not? It's a passage like this that makes our heart cry, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Because we live in a day of much tears. We live in a day surrounded by death and sorrow and crying and pain and disappointment and frustration. But brothers and sisters, this day is coming. Christ is coming. Verse 5, And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Just as he promised in Isaiah 43, 19, I make all things new. He said to me, Write this. Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verses 6 to 8 are really meant to be a warning. As John writes this, he is writing down these things that are true and faithful, for God is not a liar. These things are coming. This is meant to be not only encouragement for those of us who long for this day, but a warning to those who may not ever see this day. Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. It is done. Redemptive history is complete. All of God's promises are complete and realized. There is nothing more to do but to enjoy God forever. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator and the victor, the one who was and the one who will be. 
I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. Even as Jesus himself said to the woman at the well, the water of life. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. These joys in the presence of God belong to those who knowing their souls are parched by sin have earnestly sought the satisfaction of salvation and eternal life, as MacArthur says. Parched by sin. What vivid language. But there is coming a day when we will know more, no sin. When we will be free. When we will walk with our God in the cool of the day. It is he who overcomes who shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. It is he who is victorious in Christ. Those who believing persevere to the end. But there's a warning. There's a warning here. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars... They will have their part in a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. They'll never make it to Revelation 21. Sin will be judged. God is just. That's the reality that we see in Revelation 20. So brothers and sisters, even as we, as those who are in Christ, as we sing with expectation live according to that expectation, looking for and longing for this day. Let us also be burdened for those around us. Recognizing that there is hope. That if they will just place their faith in Christ alone, as God promises here, I will give the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. There's a coming day when it will be too late. When all those who are not in Christ, who have not placed their faith in Christ alone, will burn with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. May we live joyful lives, looking to the future, longing for this day, and yet at the same time, burdened for those around us. Seeing the glorious hope that we have, and longing that others would see Christ too. That they would believe. How many people in Altoona, even today, have passed into a third, into eternity? As my grandpa has often said, the most sobering reality in the world today is that people are dying and going to hell today. Brothers and sisters, we have the good news. We have such a glorious hope that we long for. May we not keep this to ourselves. But may we sing with expectation, expectation 
that fills us and encourages us to boldly speak our hope in Christ. To always give an answer to him who asks us about the, the hope that we have. Sing with expectation. We are a future-facing people. We do not live tethered to the present. We long for the future. We look for the future. We hope in the future. So may we be faithful in the present as we sing with expectation.